Wanna take a ride? I am your host, coming at you from the great west, this is Conversations at Midnight. First and foremost, happy Halloween to all you ghouls and goblins out there who had, who are, who are currently enjoying themselves on a fine day, on a fine night, on a fine evening. I hope all is well with you. For all you truckers out there who are listening, keep keep that wheel steady. I hope you enjoy those drives. My uncle was a truck driver, and he, he had mixed feelings, but that's the life. Thank you. Thank you all for lending me your ear on a beautiful night like this. Me, personally, I'm sitting here in my uh, Nightmare on Elm Street shirt. I have one just like the sweater. That of Freddy Krueger. And uh, I love it. It's probably one of my favorite shirts among my wardrobe. So, I'm sitting here in the dark. I have a lava lamp next to me and a candle. I have to set the mood just right. So today's topic is ghosts. We're going to jump right in. We're going to talk about ghosts. So if if any one of you want to set the mood, go ahead and dim the lights. Go ahead and... Light a few candles. I can wait. I'm not going anywhere. If you're camping with a bunch of friends or you're camping alone, go ahead and get nice and snug around that campfire. Enjoy yourself. Unwind. When this show begins, when this show starts, when you press play, the most important thing is to forget about your woes in life. All the politics... All the drama. Everything about the world. That stays outside. So come in. Please have a seat with me. Come join. There's nothing more that I would that I would want than that. Is everyone ready? Okay. Let's go. I want to start today's topic with a question. That question is, how many of you listening have experienced something that you cannot explain. And I'm not talking about where the curtains move or where the door closes on its own. Or, no, nothing small. It can't be small. It can't be something that can be easily argued about. Okay? I am talking where you see a person standing across the living room from you they cut the corner, you chase them down, and they're gone. Without a trace. You see, I am on a search. I am on a search for stories, for tales, for things that have the unexplainable. Things that force the conversation of, or rather, should I say, the argument of what it could have been what it could be, what caused this, what's the explanation. That is what I'm on the search for. I want to find the more in life pertaining to this. You see, a little personal thing about me. I grew up in a household where my mother was very sensitive to uh, the other side, if you will. I don't know if I'll go as far as calling her a psychic, Maybe more so of a clairvoyant, 
She was able to feel the energies of things and she was able to, you know, get a feeling for certain things. And um, I grew up experiencing some things that I still to this day, I don't I don't understand. I don't really know how to explain it. I don't I don't know how to even I've had people want me to explain it and what the explanation could be. And I've and I have gabbed with them for hours. I have gone back and forth. I have I have had I have had the debates. I've gone back and forth with them. I've um and I just I simply can't explain it. And neither could they. Um and I and that's what I'm trying to say. That's the example is I want these stories to be told to where it has that debate, not an argument. No arguments here. The debate. I want the debate. I want the back and forth. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> My uncle that I rarely talk to now. But when I did, he, he told me a story. Okay. When my uncle got married to his uh, wife, he, um, he moved in with her. She, uh, she was, she was living at the time she was living with her mother and her grandfather. Okay. For the sake of the story. And I, and, and I don't want to use his real name. So, uh, let's call him George <laughs> for the sake of the story. George is the grandfather of my uncle's wife. And in his, in his youth, or when he was a younger man, he was a police officer in South America, the country of Peru. He, uh, they lived in Lima, Lima, Peru. And um, later on, he, they moved to the United States. He lived here um, and he grew old here, particularly in Florida, in South Florida. So my uncle's living with him. He's living with George, his daughter, and his granddaughter, who married my uncle. Well, over the years, you know, you get old and people end up dying. George passed away in 2008, if I'm not mistaken. One night, my uncle was saying, probably like a week, two weeks after George had passed on. My uncle woke up in the middle of the night. And when he opened his eyes, he said George was standing next to the bed staring at him and he said well the, the interesting thing about george he says i don't know i don't know how but i knew it was george but it was odd because he looked so young and he was in his police officer's uniform now it's one thing that he saw him young it's one thing that he that he, if he was hallucinating that my uncle did indeed see George young, people may argue, well, you know, maybe it's because he saw him in a picture in his youth, and that's where his brain created 
the manifestation of him being young. Uh, kind of like how dreams work. You know, people have dreams. They see a face within the dream. Uh, the science apparently says that the reason why that that's a thing is because you've seen that face before. Whoever is in your dream, your brain did not create it. It was something that you've seen before. Now, I know some people will say, okay, but what about, you know, certain dreams where, you know, you never met somebody, you've never seen their face before, but you see them in a dream and you swear it's your wife. That's a different topic for a different time. What I'm saying is, is that I can understand if people want to use that argument where, okay, maybe your uncle was hallucinating with the idea of, you know, he saw it in a picture X, Y, Z. That's fine. I can get behind that. I can understand that part. What I don't understand or what what bothers me, what doesn't sit well with me is the police officer's uniform. That's what doesn't sit well with me. It's one thing if my uncle saw him wearing a uniform that of a old police officer in a 1930s film. You know, that standard, it looks like a jumpsuit type thing, the blue, they have the hat, the badge, you know, sure. The thing is, though, is I know very well that my uncle has no knowledge of the uniforms that they wore in Lima, Peru in the 50s and 60s. I, that's what I don't understand. And my uncle says he was wearing the police officer's uniform because the next morning or that morning when he woke up, his wife was awake and whatnot. He told his wife and his mother-in-law about what he had seen. His mother-in-law had said that that's his uniform. That's what he wore when he went to work. That after receiving the description that my uncle has given her, she confirmed it. He, he wore that. That was his uniform. That is something that I struggle to understand. Uh, the pictures that I saw of him when I was over at the house during and after the funeral, I did not see one of him in his true police officer's uniform. They, they had a uniform for when, you know, he got dressed up, when they had, you know, like a party or a get-together or, you know, if it was like an honorable thing, sure. That's the pictures that they had, but not of him in his standard police uniform. And I, st and I still think about that. I, I still sit there and I still contemplate. How is that? How can you explain that? You know, and that's that's the common thing with stories like this is there's always that underlining um, thing that makes you really want to scratch your really want to scratch your head you know really wants to make you think really makes you want to understand and my personal belief is for people who who not all skeptics but for most of the skeptics i believe they are that way because they don't want to think about it they refuse to speak about it they they don't like the idea of it that they don't like it they don't like to think about it and that's that's kind of where uh i I understand, but at the same time, I can't just lie down and go with that thought process. I have to say no to that mentality and search. Now, if that story didn't satisfy you, let me share with you another one. 
This one is not of my own. Uh, it's actually a, a quite known attraction in Key West, Florida. If you are from Key West, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I grew up in Florida. I was born and raised there. I don't live there anymore. But I was born and raised there, and I've been, you know, I've I've been through all of it, through Hialeah, uh, to Biscayne, Miami Beach, North Miami Beach, Sunny Isles, the whole shebang, Homestead. And, but one of my favorite places are the Florida Keys. And by the way, if anybody stops by the Florida Keys, look for the blonde giraffe, amazing key lime pie, a sensational key lime pie. But, that being said, Key West itself, if anybody has been there or if you are from there, it goes without saying, I believe that Key West is haunted. I just do. There are many things there that people talk about. There's tours. There's ghost tours. There's, there's a lot of things there. But you, you can tell that Key West has a history. There's a life to it. There's some sort of umph that exists in Key West, and it's uh, almost magical. Uh, I can't really explain it. The views itself are obviously sensational. They're beautiful. In my opinion, probably one of a kind. But the atmosphere, especially at night, there's something there that exists. Just right outside your field of vision, there's something there. There is an attraction there. And there is a history. There is a beautiful story. And that is Robert the Doll. Now, if anybody has not heard of Robert the Doll, well, this is the perfect time. Robert the Doll, and I'm going to make it short and sweet because I want to do an episode or a show just on him. He will be the topic. But just a general gist, Robert the Doll, there was a family, mom, dad, and a son. They lived in a beautiful home, which is that same house is actually now a historical landmark in NQS called the Artist's House. Uh, the Artist's Home? Something along those lines. They lived in that house. That family lived in that house. Mom, dad, and a son. I think the son was about 10 years old. His name was, I believe he passed away. His name is, or was Eugene, but everybody called him Gene. So for the sake, and out of respect to him, let's call him Gene. Wealthy family. They had uh, maids and helpers and whatnot. One of the workers for the family gave the doll to Gene as a gift. Uh, you know, as like appreciation of sorts. Immediately, Gene fell in love with the doll, became attached to it. And over time, weird things began happening. Like when the mom would walk by, the door to Jean's room was closed. Jean's in there playing. She can hear Jean talking. And one time she heard a response back. She opens the door. There's no one in the room. It's just Jean, his toys, and Robert. Things like that. Well, the first, one of the major things that has happened, or that did happen with them, and it was their first major encounter with Robert, was... Everybody was asleep. It was the middle of the night. Gene wakes up to Robert sitting at the end of his bed, staring at him. Gene gets freaked out, starts calling for his mom. 
His mom gets out of bed, starts making her way towards Jean's room. Suddenly, Jean's mom hears this commotion. The sound of the furniture being shoved around, just loud noises and chaos. She rushes towards Jean's bedroom door, tries to open it. It's, it won't budge. It's either locked or something is holding it back. Sure enough, she swings open the door and the room is ravaged. The furniture is thrown across the room. The drawers are open, clothes everywhere, toys everywhere. Jean is curled up on his bed in fear and Robert is sitting at the end of his bed. Robert was untouched, essentially. Jean's mom looks at him, asks what happened. Jean responds, Robert did it. That right there is where I'm going to stop, but that, but that right there, let's break that down. It's one thing to hear a voice, right? Some people will chalk that up to being, okay, hey, you know what, hallucination, or maybe if the window was open and you heard somebody from outside, right, coincidentally, at the perfect time uh, as he's talking to the doll. Sure, that's, that's one thing. What I cannot explain is how is it that the room was ravaged? It was destroyed. A chaotic mess everywhere. How can you explain that? I have trouble in being a, being a full-grown man moving the furniture on my own, let alone being 10 years old moving furniture, especially so fast. I mean, we're talking from one room to another, I can't think, I, I, I don't see how that takes her over a minute to get to his room. Now, let's say that, the, that she had two minutes to get to the kid, to get to Jean. I don't see how, in two minutes, you can destroy that room. I know some people would love to debate that, but it's the, it's the quality of the destruction that keeps me focused. We're not talking about grabbing clothes and chucking them. We're talking about full pieces of the furniture being tossed around. Chairs, the dressers, the armwires, everything. In two minutes, I can't even, I don't even know. At that, at that point, I wouldn't even be mad. I'd be darn impressed. I would be more impressed at the idea. If Gene came out and said, yeah, hey, that was me, I wouldn't even be mad. I'd be impressed, and that'll make me feel like garbage because clearly I, I, I'm not doing something right when it comes to my muscle tone. If you are in the Keys, especially in, in, in Key West, please go see him. It's sensational. One of my biggest influences, and I didn't know if I was going to say this since it's Halloween. I just couldn't help myself. One of my biggest influences ever is Art Bell. If you haven't heard of Art Bell, Stop the podcast. <laughs> Seriously. Stop the podcast. Stop this show. Who cares about my show? Go listen to his old archived shows. He used to be the host for Coast to Coast AM. He used to do this thing called Ghost to Ghost AM, where every Halloween he would open up his phone lines and you can call in. He, to me, is probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm doing this. But Art Bell is a huge influence on me. And because of that, I used to listen to his shows a lot. 
And I really wanted to share this story now since it's Halloween. And I hope it gives you that same spine-chilling emotion that I had. And it was on one of his ghost-to-ghost years. I think it was, oh man, probably 98, 97. And a caller called in sharing this ghost story that he had. I don't know the caller's name. I would love to give him credit. uh, But they don't really share their name. They just say their first name and where they're from. But I believe he was from Canada. But the story was, and I'm going to short and sweet this one as well. He hung out with a group of friends, probably about five of them, if I remember correctly. One of his friends out of the five wasn't doing well mentally. He was dealing with some demons, some personal stuff that he had, and he wanted to unlive himself as the kind way is of saying it. They tried to be there for that friend. One day, they stopped seeing that friend. He just stopped showing up, stopped hanging out with them. They just assumed that he was in, in a funk and he wanted to do his own thing. Well, the caller said one night he has a dream and he was sitting in his room and he hears a knocking. He says in this dream, he looks over at the, at the window and he sees his friend, his friend staring at him and he says, you have to find me. Please find me. He wakes up, thinks that the dream is weird. Okay. He actually didn't think much of it. He just thought, you know, it was a weird dream and he didn't think too much about it. He didn't look into it too much and uh, decided to go about his day. It's time to go to sleep again. The second night in a row, he has that same dream. His friend is knocking on the window and saying, please, please find me. After a few weeks of this, and this, yes, this went on for weeks. After a few weeks of this, their group is hanging out together. His friends are together and whatnot. Obviously, the one missing friend is not there. Uh, The one that he sees in the dream is not there. One of the friends in that group says, hey, guys, I I need to tell you something. I'm worried about that friend in particular. I'm worried about him. Because uh, I keep having this dream where he knocks on my window and he asks me to come find him. Well, the person who called in Art Bell says that he looked at him and said, I've been having those dreams too. Another person in the group chimed in and said, I've had those dreams as well. Turns out everybody in that group has been having dreams of this poor young man. And it's all the same dream. Well, he starts talking to his friend's parents. Turns out his friend is missing. They can't find him. They filled out a missing persons report etc etc months go by and he says every time i go to sleep i have this dream where my friend knocks on my window and as the months have gone by he looks more and more decayed he looks more and more rotten he looks more and more disgusting eventually the cops find his remains in the forest and he he succeeded in uh, committing suicide and when they found the state of his corpse it was the same state in his dreams when I heard that story man that just creeped me out and I'm, oh, I'm just getting chills right now when I heard that story that really that affected me a lot that had some sort of I mean that took my that took my breath away that that gave me the goose flesh that because that really just i i don't know how to come of that i i it's one thing hey okay one person had this uh disturbing dream and some people might say hey you know what it you know 
But when you have your whole group, when you have four individuals of different mental health, different views on life, different beliefs, different everything, but they all have the same dream and they all of them have seen him slowly decaying as the months have gone by into this grotesque person, into this grotesque corpse. And all he's doing is he's pleading with them that they can come find his body so he can be buried. I do not know how to explain that. That's something that will continue to sit with me in sincere confusion, sincere wonder. To me, that story is sensational. That story is that, is that prime example of the more, the weird, the uncanny. I just don't understand. And I don't know the answer to that. And I really want to know the explanation. I want to know that answer. I want someone to just tell me a decent answer that can sit well with me. Because anything that I hear, you know, well, you see, you know, there's a such thing as mass hysteria. And no, I, that to me, that's not good enough. That answer is not good enough. And I don't think that we have to accept those answers. I don't think that we have to accept that. I just don't. One of the things that I, that I will accept, though, um, that I've heard before, and it, it has also got a chance to exercise my brain, is what is called a time flash. Have any, have any of you heard of, heard of a time flash? Because I didn't until uh, maybe four years ago, four or five years ago. A time flash is essentially when periods of time blend together. I didn't know that that was a occurring thing in this world. A made-up example that I'll give, uh, something made up, a time flash a as an example is something like you walk around your house and you look over and you see a pioneer girl. You two look at each other, you're scared, and she's scared. She starts walking away, she walks into your wall and goes through your wall and you don't see her again. That argument of a time flash is there because why would a spirit who knows that they have been dead for a while, uh, well over 200 years, why would they get scared? Why would they be horrified of you? So that has been brought up in the idea of it's a time flash because from her point of view, she sees what she thinks is a ghost. But from your point of view, you see what you think is a ghost. And in reality, it's just these two timelines that have blended together where the person who is, who is existing in that spot during the clash of times, uh, of the time periods, see each other. If that was confusing, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but that's the best way that I can explain it. And that is often brought up in the realm of the paranormal, of ghosts. I have a story involving what is a time flash. Keep in mind, I had no idea what that was. I didn't know the term for it. I didn't know what that was until four or five years ago. And if you don't mind, I would love to share this story with you. When I was younger, probably around uh, 14, 15 years old, I had a few friends living in Miami Beach, Florida. One day I sat there and I said, hey, let's go have a sleepover. We meet up at one of our friend's house. For the sake of the story, I don't want to use his real name. Let's call him Nick. Okay. And the other one, let's call him Ethan. We go to Nick's house. Me and Ethan 
meet Nick at Nick's house. That's where the sleepover was being held. So for the first few hours, it was your casual sleepover. We had a meal. We had a conversation. We played video games. We talked about anything that came to our mind. Sports, girls, cars, normal teenage boy stuff, right? Around midnight or one in the morning, we decided, hey, let's let's go for a walk. His mom was sleeping, so we kind of snuck out. And we, and we went for a walk around Miami Beach. We decided, hey, let's go to the beach. Let's walk to the beach. Let's enjoy, let's enjoy the ocean air. Uh, we make it to the beach. We walk around. We, you know, we spend an hour hanging out at the beach. We start walking around Miami Beach some more. Around 2 or 3 in the morning, we decided, hey, let's head back to Nick's house. Let's just go to sleep. For those of you who, who have not been to Miami Beach, if you see any pictures of Florida, one of the most common things that you're going to see is South Beach, the pictures of the South Beach area. South Beach, the architecture there is from the 40s. It's these older buildings, these older looking uh, hotels, and they just look like they're from that period. Well, a lot of people think that's just South Beach. That's not true. Miami Beach has a lot of those older buildings as well, 1940s. Uh, late 1940s, that general look. So back to the story, we start walking back. When I was younger, I, I always looked at my feet and I didn't know why. I, I, I just did. It, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't down in the dumps. I wasn't feeling sorry for myself. I wasn't depressed. I just did that. That's something that I did. I just always looked down at my feet. I never looked up. I know some people would always tell me, oh, you know, you need to keep your chin up. It brings positive energies or anything. I, I just like, I, I don't know, I just looked down. It was just natural for me. It was something that I did. And of course, on the walk back to Nick's house, I was looking at my feet. Nick and Ethan decide, hey, let's go cut down through this street. It might get us to Nick's house faster. Me not being from the area, I agreed. The three of us go down this street. We start walking. And, you know, we're talking about the same old stuff that we were talking about hours before. Obviously, you know, as everyone, you know, as you know, when you're walking in a group, when someone stops, you kind of get this understanding of where everybody's at within the group. So when one person stops, you stop like a school of fish. When one turns, you all turn, that sort of thing. Well, Ethan stopped walking. So me and Nick stopped and we looked over at Ethan. Ethan looks at Nick and tells Nick, hey, I don't remember this building being here. Nick looks at the building, too. I look at the building. From my point of view, it was a nice building. You can tell that whoever owned it was trying to to bring it back to life. They were trying to restore the building. It had new paint on it. You can tell that there was effort put in. Everything was clean about this building. When you're standing outside of the building and you look, you have this sort of like a glass room. And in this room, there was mailboxes. It had the key number to your apartment. You put in the key, you open up the box, you take out your mail, you close it, and you lock it. One of those types of mailroom type things. But the mailroom was at the entrance. It was the first door that you opened was towards the mailroom. Then the door opposite of where the entrance is leads to the inside of the apartment itself where you can go to your room and 
enjoy your apartment. Ethan looks over at me and says, I want to go in it. At that time, before Ethan said anything, I had this feeling like I wanted to go in it. And I've never had that thought before. I never broke into any place. I never really trespassed ever. You know, I was, I was kind of a good kid um, when it came to stuff like that. I didn't want to get in trouble, especially with the law. Mainly because I feared my father more than I did any policeman. But for some weird reason, I had this feeling I was being enticed to enter the building. So Nick looks over at me and Ethan and goes, hey, you know, let's not do that. And immediately, I guess I snapped out of it. I was like, yeah, you know what? That's true. Let's not do that. But Ethan was so focused on trying to, you know, on trying to break in. So he grabs the door handle that leads towards the mailroom, pulled it, and it was locked. I mean, that was locked. He even made the kunk sound. That kunk kunk. You know, you can tell that there's like a bolt there that stopped that door from moving. When that happened, I said, great, let's go back to Nick's room or to Nick's house, let's go to his room and sleep. Well, Ethan was persistent. He insisted on making it into this apartment building. He looks up, and we could see the windows from where we were standing, and he looks up, and on the second floor, there was a window open. All the other windows, the lights are off, but that window, the window was open, and the lights were on. Every other window, the exact opposite. Closed and lights were off. It was perfect. It was perfect. It was inviting. And this, a reminder, this is a true story. I promise you. Ethan looks, looks at me and Nick and goes, Okay, I need you guys to boost me up there. I need you guys to lift me up there. If I can reach the window, I'm going to climb in. Ethan was a, for his age, he was tall. Ethan was a tall kid for his age. Well, somehow he convinced us. And that's what we did. We gave him a boost. He climbs into the window. And that was that. Me and Nick start talking, uh, seeing if, you know, we're going to hear screaming and yelling and whatnot. And we were, we were talking about the situation that we were in. And in mid-conversation, I heard this clicking sound. It was like a latch was being released. It was like this nice click, this nice... And I looked over at that main door, and I saw this. It was like cracked open. It was like opened ajar. You know, it was there. And I remember I, I was reaching for the handle because I went, hey, look, it's open. I'm telling you, I could feel the air condition coming through that crack within the door. It touched my fingertips. I felt the cool air right before I touched that door handle. The other door opposite of the mailroom door swung open, and it was Ethan. And he looked pale, and he looked at me and Nick, and he screamed to run. We scattered like roaches. We were gone. We're running through the streets. All of us split up. I lost them. I was. I probably couldn't find them for 20 minutes. I just couldn't find them. And I remember running through the streets, hiding. And after about 15, 20 minutes, I started walking towards the general area of Nick's home. On my way there, I saw this public park. And I just had this feeling that they were there. So I walk over and sure enough, I see them. 
I see Nick standing next to Ethan. Ethan is sitting at the picnic table. And he had his head down. And I looked over at Nick. Nick looked back at me. And he gave me this face of like, I have no idea what's happening. And I just stood there in silence. Nick says that Ethan doesn't want to talk. He hasn't spoken since. So we sat in silence for about five minutes. It had to be about five minutes. And Ethan goes, you want to know what happened? And I, yes, please, of course. Ethan begins to tell us from his point of view. He gets hoisted through the window and he climbs in. He says that the bathroom was brand new. You could smell the Clorox bleach that they used to wipe everything down. He says he, he walks around. He exits the bathroom. He walks around the corner. He says it was his brand new apartment. The rug was brand new. Everything was brand new. He says that there was still plastic stuff around, you know, for paint and whatnot, I guess, to not get the rug, you know, nasty. And he says he opens the main door, leaving the apartment. And the door was around the corner of a hallway. So he goes around that corner. He makes a left around this corner. And he says at the end of the hallway, he sees the stairs. The stairs that he's assuming is uh, the stairs that leads to the main entrance to let us in. That was the goal. He wanted us to come in with him. He said there was probably about uh, four doors on each side of the hallway. Four doors to the left, four doors to the right. He says he starts going down the hallway and he hears a click. He hears something unlatch. And he looks over to his right because that was his initial reaction. And he looked to his right and he says one of the apartment doors, you know, like room number 3B, like that kind of door. That main door opens and he looks over and he says the light turns on in the apartment room. And he says he sees this shadow man. He says he saw a shadow person standing against the wall and he said that this that this thing was huge seven foot tall eight foot tall that was his guess and he looks over to his left and the door's opening and he says and in unison the doors open boom 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 and they all start to slowly open and the lights turn on he started to hear whispers like a crowd of people whispering and he said once he heard the whispers he ran he ran like like he's never run before. He ran down that stairs. He opened that door. And that's when he saw us. And he saw me reaching for the door. And he said the only thing that he can get out of his mouth were, were the words run. And then that's when we ran. That's not the weird part. After all that, that's still not the weird part. The next day, we wake up. We go to church. It was a Sunday morning. We, we go to church. Nick had to leave to go to somewhere. He had to do some something else, some sort of activity. So me and Ethan went went to church. And as we were leaving, we decided to walk back to Nick's house and wait for him there. Ethan looks at me and says, you want to go back you know, to the apartments? And I said, yeah, of course. It's middle of the day. We start walking. And sure enough, I'm looking down at my feet as usual. And after about 10, 12 minutes of walking, Ethan stops. I, I stop, I look over at Ethan, and Ethan is staring at a building. And I go, why'd you stop? And Ethan responds to me saying, oh my God, this is the building. What I saw, ladies and gentlemen, this is the honest to God truth. What I saw was this nasty, paint-faded, windows-broken apartment building. The mail room 
had papers scattered. You know, like that junk mail that you get. You know, where it's like the where it's like the book of the coupons, but it's not really coupons. It just says what deals they're having at the supermarket. It was one of those types of papers. They were just scattered all over the mailroom. The windows were cracked. I could see it. And that window that was left open was closed. The one that, that Ethan climbed through was closed. And he walks over to one of the windows on, on the main floor. A window that you can that if you looked into, it was inside one of the apartments. He looks in it and he goes, oh my gosh. And he calls me over. And I go over and I cut my hands around my eyes and I peek through the window. And not the whole room, but like a good corner of it was just burnt. And the bed in there was burnt. There were some clothes left on the hanger. But that apartment building was abandoned. And it looked like that for years. It looked like no one has been there for years. I do not know what that is. And I don't have to break down that story. Because it just goes without saying. But I believe what I experienced was indeed a time flash. That was something that I can't explain. That was something that I wouldn't even know where to begin. I don't know what that would have been. But when I tell you that the, that, that night before, that building was pristine. It was pristine. It was retro. It had that vibe. It had that look. It had that jive. It was through and through in its prime. And you're telling me not even not even 12 hours later, it's destroyed. The paint has been faded, has been sun bleached beyond recognition. The windows are destroyed. The papers are everywhere. The tile in the mailroom is nasty. I do not know what to say. I do not have an explanation. And that was years ago. That was over 10 years ago. And I still struggle to this day with an explanation we live in a very very weird world a very strange one it's beautiful it's beautiful it's even better if you are surrounded by good people if you have good people in your life they can take you far you treat the good people good they treat you good as beautiful as it is it's equally as strange as weird there is more to this life then I believe we are taught, that we are led to believe. There is more. There are uncanny things. I believe that there is a life after death because I do not know how to explain these things. I do believe that there is extra life out there. I, do be I believe in so much more than what is presented to us. All it takes is a little questioning, and that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of what we have right now is the capability of question. The ability to question. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for an amazing first show. Thank you for being here with me. I may not be the most smooth talker. I may not be the most charismatic host. But what I will be through and through at the end of the day is honest and I will be myself, most importantly. Thank you so much for everything. Until next week, this has been your host. And until then, be on the watch. Keep your eyes peeled. Please pay attention to any of the weird things in life. It's there. It always has been. And it'll never go away.
once that veil has been lifted, I do not think that there is anything that can bring you back. Once it has been seen, it cannot be unseen. Until next time. Until next week. Be safe. Have an amazing week. God bless you. From the Great West, this is Conversations at Midnight. Thank you.